Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Yeah. You want to talk about Star Wars? I think George Lucas is going to sue somebody. Yeah, that's right. We're talking Star Wars. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Panel to Screen. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. Bell. Man, how you doing tonight? I, you know, I'm doing good. I'm, uh, you know, excited to talk about this movie. All right, man. Well, you are going to be talking about this movie on the most unnecessary podcast on the internet. That's right. It's two guys talking about movies, sometimes talking about comics, talking about comic book movies, but not tonight because we're not talking about a comic book movie. We're talking about a Star Wars movie. In fact, we are talking about a Star Wars story, Solo, as it is called. Now, when this first movie was announced, there was a big question mark. A lot of people were like, "Ah, oh, that seems like an interesting uh, read weird take a uh, direction to take the universe to start <laughs> off with a beloved character and give it kind of a backstory that maybe nobody was necessarily expecting or wanting at the wanting <laughs> at the time uh however uh that is that is where they decided to go and it is a bold decision a lot was riding on this film in many respects could the original cast members the original characters be recast in their younger forms and is this an area in which there is a lot of opportunity to mine for stories. Those were the questions that were proposed before this movie released, and then the movie was released. Now, we, of course, are late to the game in reviewing this film, and I don't want to give anything away other than just to say, we're sorry. Uh, we, we, we probably should have reviewed this a lot sooner, but uh, <laughs> at this point, you've all seen it, so I suppose there's not even a need to do this, but let's just go ahead and do it anyway. Spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers! Here there be spoilers, and ye been warned. Bell, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Um, let, let, let's talk about before, I mean, because we, we, we have to. Let, let's talk about kind of going into this film, where our expectation level was. So, uh, going into this movie, my expectation was as follows. I pretty much figured it was going to be uh and, and i believe i told you this it was going to be like a like a like a fast food hamburger right you know like like mcdonald's for example um uh i like mcdonald's mcdonald's is good you know when i just want like some when just, when i just want a hamburger right but it's not a gourmet hamburger you know uh it's 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 fast food it's kind of junk you know it's salty and uh but it but it's tasty uh, but it's by no means a good hamburger. So that that's kind of how I was going in there. It's like I, it's going to be a fun. It's going to be a popcorn movie. But I, you know, it's it's it's. I don't think I'm going to get like blown away and just be like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing ever. And that's ex- that's exactly uh, uh, what happened. But yeah, that was my expectation going in. 
All right. So I, you had way, way higher expectations than I had going in. Uh, I expected this to be absolutely terrible. And I, I hate to even say that because, you know, for the most part, Disney has done a really fantastic job with a lot of the franchises that they have in their possession, uh, which continually seems to increase on almost a daily basis, it seems from time to time. Uh, and honestly, I'm not somebody who hates the direction that they've taken Star Wars. I actually really like the direction they've taken Star Wars. You know, we uh, go back and uh, well, I say go back, I guess uh, we're, we're in kind of this interim time where the panel to screen is sharing a feed with Flash TV talk. Once the <laughs> podcast feed is restored, you could go back and listen to our last Jedi review in which, you know, we both were in kind of this weird, we didn't quite know how to feel about it. But for the most part, I came out more positive and I loved Force Awakens and I love kind of this new era that they've created for Star Wars. I loved Rogue One. And yeah, something about this really kind of made me worried. Now, of course, we knew going in about all of the uh, background stuff that was going on, the fact that, it, you know, the directors, or the showrunners got, got canned and then Ron Howard had to be brought in and like 90% of the movie was recut. Uh, you know, the main actor getting a, uh, a an acting coach on site, which we now know, of course, that is not an odd thing. That's not a bad sign. But just in the midst of everything else, it just seemed like a bad, uh, bad well, gumbo, they, if you will. A lot of yeah. bad stuff all mixed together. Now, on top of that, and you know, I can, I can kind of put that to the side, except for the fact that when the trailers came out and when the marketing came out, Man, it really dropped the ball. This movie was not marketed well at all. Unless Logan you eat was, at Denny's. Well, well, okay, fine. Yeah, that's actually not a bad. <laughs> that's not a bad comparison, Bell. Uh, but that's the thing. Like the marketing just really was not there, and it did not get me excited at all. And it actually wasn't until about a week before the movie came out, uh, maybe two weeks, when Childish Gambino was actually performing on SNL, that I was like, oh yeah, you know what, Donald Glover would really make a really good Lando. That was a really good casting decision. Huh. Maybe, maybe, maybe it won't be absolutely terrible. So that was my mindset going in. Now, Bell, you've already kind of, you know, you, you've buried your lead a little bit and you've let people know that basically it met your expectations. That's true. For me, it did, it, 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 totally exceeded my expectations. I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was really good. All of my concerns going in about, you know, new new kid uh, portraying Han Solo, it it for whatever reason and I can't explain it, but it kind of worked for me. Like no, he's not young Harrison Ford. It kind of made Han Solo his own, but he also didn't make Han Solo different from who Han Solo is. Uh, yes, a younger, naiver, you know, uh, origin story of of the character that we would one day know and love, but it it fit for me. In fact, most all of these characters really fit for me. And I, I kind of loved this movie, if I'm being totally honest, Bill. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'd kind of disagree with you about uh, about Han Solo. I, I think that seemed like that was more of Ansel. Alden. So, yeah, for me, Alden Eckhart kind of came across as like he was he was doing his take on Han Solo, which I, I kind of appreciated. Uh, but going back, talking about Donald Glover, like I, I thought uh, I thought he did an excellent not impression, I guess, but like an excellent rendition of Lando uh, channeling Lando. Yeah. He, he, I feel like he channeled Lando more than, um, more than, uh, gosh, I just forgot his name again. <laughs> Alden more than Alden channeled uh, Han Solo. Yeah. That, uh, that's a, that's fair. In fact, there were actually scenes very specifically where you could tell, you know, Donald Glover kind of sw shifted a little bit back and forth. Like he, he wasn't necessarily consistent. And perhaps that is kind of an indication of the fact that, you know, a lot of these scenes were recut. 
but and, and you know reacted months later but like sometimes it seemed like he was kind of making lando his own and other times it seemed like he was channeling billy d williams and so there was kind of a little bit back and forth whereas alden for the most part was fairly consistently not necessarily channeling harrison ford he just was han solo yeah yeah and, and, and don't get me wrong I, I thought that donald glover was probably the best piece of this whole thing i, I really liked his presentation as as uh, as lando big time um but yeah there, there were a little a little inconsistencies there and, it, and i think he wanted to pay homage to billy d williams uh and, and which which is which i think he did a very good job of uh but i think it would have been neat to see donald glover's take on lando um yeah well i'm, I'm hope I'm, I'm hopeful that 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 we'll get that opportunity more in the future but uh, it does seem like that might not be the case. We'll we'll talk about that later. Um, what about uh, you know what about Amelia Clark as uh, uh, quick uh, as Kira? Uh, you know we we've seen her outside of Game of Thrones before. Uh, you know she was the mother of cyborgs, and and I think both of us kind of uh, she didn't exactly um, Im- impress us too much with uh, her her take as Sarah Connor. But uh, what do you think of her here? I mean, she was kind of meh. I mean, like not bad, not good. Uh, she didn't really like impressed me but she didn't really make me you know unimpressed yeah i mean like she's a good fit for the character um she had she had chemistry with alden which she didn't have chemistry with anybody back when she was in the terminator like yeah. honestly like that was one thing i i was kind of i i kind of felt like this movie revalidated her as a film actress uh you know outside of television because i remember after uh terminator thinking oh man was she just like really well cast for that one character and she just can't really go beyond it and here you know there are some obviously some similarities in the way that she portrays uh danny and kira but at the same time no i mean like i think a large part of the problem with terminator was the the entire cast had no chemistry with each other here that's not the case everybody had really good chemistry with everybody yeah really well cast i I thought and i thought she did a great job as kira uh we got beckett uh woody harrelson as kind of the um, you know, father figure of Han Solo were first introduced to him on the battlefield where he's got like a blaster in each hand and he's taking him out left and right, like shooting before even aiming. And uh, what would you think of uh, what would you think of Beckett? I liked Woody Harrelson in his role. Uh, I, I thought it was a, you know, <laughs> he kind of he kind of makes anything he touches good. Uh, and so, you know, it, 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 I liked his character arc in the story, uh, you know, the the pretty much everything that he told Han Solo um, was true. And <laughs> that, 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 that was really, that was really neat to see that happen. Uh, I, I really, especially like the, the bit at the end where he's trying to stall and uh, you know, the, the last lesson he's going to give him is always shoot first and he never gets even to say it. And I thought, I thought that was great. I thought that was really, really good. Yeah. Um, the, uh, his crew at the beginning just didn't see all them just getting wasted. Right oh yeah, that, that was kind of a surprise, especially um, you know his his girlfriend, wife uh, Val, as as portrayed by uh, Thandie Newton, uh, who you know most uh, m- most people may recognize her from her role as Maeve on uh, Westworld. Um, man, I was uh, I I'd forgotten actually she was in this movie, and I was actually stoked to see her, but then shocked and still can't quite figure out why she had to die <laughs> so early on in the movie. Honestly. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of those kinds of questions uh, that I had about several decisions in this movie, um, and that was one of them. I was like, okay, you're gonna get us introduced to these characters that they're gonna help Han Solo escape, you know, Corellia and and the Imperial clutches and whatnot, and then it's like they're just gone. And <laughs> well, so let me put it this way: from a film decision, I actually don't mind that 
in general because it puts Beckett in this position who's being both a mentor to Han, but also kind of showing him that relationships are disposable. So like all of these people that like his crew, he puts together, he gets them together, he's emotionally attached and then they die and he moves on. Like he's, they're all just kind of this, uh, you know, they're, they're all there to be disposable in his life. And so I kind of saw that as, as more, more of a, you know, not necessarily an intentional lesson, but something in which Han is observing and, and, and partaking in. Um, but, but it I wasn't that's more implied than, well, but, but that's what I'm saying. And that's why I kind of love it is it is, it is more implied as opposed to directly called out, but it's more the reasoning why like, all right. So the, the monkey dude that John Favreau played. Yeah. Rio, Rio Durant, uh, great, great addition. Cool. New alien. Uh, I, <laughs> I really actually thought he was adorable and, uh, hilarious. Um, you know, gets, gets, uh, takes one to the, uh, shoulder and, uh, and dies behind the wheel. Totally acceptable. It's just that Maeve, uh, or rather Val, like she's supposed to blow the bridge up. She's pinned down and she's like, all right, well, I'm just going to blow up this bridge because the mission is more important than me. And I'm like, well, no, you're a, th- that's not true. Yeah. You're not, like, do- you're not doing this for like, you know, some high, you know, you know, reason. It's not like this big honorable thing. You're, you're trying to get paid. You know yeah. What I mean? Like, like life should come before that. I don't know. That was just weird to me. Yeah, that, that that seemed really odd because you know, it, it, my my take is that you know she sacrificed herself for uh, uh, for Woody Harrelson's character. Yeah, and like that was that was her decision. I don't think he did the same thing in her in her place. Uh, just because, even though it seems like th- they're trying to tell us that uh, you know Beckett really loves this woman, he it, it seems like he'd throw her under the bus at any moment. Yeah, but she was like the opposite. She would do anything for him, and yeah, and she did have that kind of like you know live live fast, die hard, you know that that or live hard, die fast kind of mentality with the whole. It's been a ride, babe. Is kind of like the last thing she says before blowing, uh, blowing the rail. Yeah. Um. All right. So we also uh, got the introduced to a, a new character in Infus Nest, uh, portrayed by Aaron Kellyman. Um. You know, I I kept on thinking it was might have be Boba Fett that that was I would have been a, I'd have walked out of the theater if it was Boba Fett I'd be like, <laughs> no no I, you know I looked for I, I kept on looking thinking that Boba Fett was going to be in this movie I was a little surprised he wasn't uh regardless of whether or not that would have been a good idea uh but no she takes off the mask and you know they they kind of portray this um you know pirate gang leader or, or so we think uh who's you know uh, like fighting with this giant like axe baton uh, I guess I don't even know what that weapon was called, but you know, hopping on trains and everything. And then when she takes off the mask, you see that she's just a child. Um, to me, Bell, that was very reminiscent of, I don't know if you ever saw the, the halo, uh, the, some of the halo origins movies they did. Uh, I saw, um, what was it? The, uh, there's the live action one they did. I, I want to say it's fall of Ford unto dawn. That's the one I saw. Well, I just remember that like these people are trying to get out of reach or some planet or whatever it is when I think it's Halo First Strike and uh, a Spartan is called in to save the day. And then, you know, they, they see the Spartan do all of these like, you know, incredible BA things. And then they get on the carrier. They finally escape and they're all gathered around. And as the Spartan takes off the helmet, you see it's just a child underneath that's been doing all of these, you know, superheroic deal. And there's kind of this weird uh, almost aura in the air of like, wait, what? Like this kid, like how is this kid doing all this stuff? So anyway, I, I, I thought that there was, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but she did kind of have almost that, um, master chief, uh, uh, halo esque t- 
type of uh, persona, I thought. Yeah, I could see that. So there's, of course, another character that we, we have to talk about uh, in, in this movie, and that is Chewbacca. Uh, for the first time on live action, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think this is the first time that Chewbacca was actually portrayed by someone other than uh, the man that originally portrayed him in the original trilogy. And uh, stepping into the fur, we got Jonas uh, Sutamo, or Sutamo, if I'm uh, saying that correctly. And I got to tell you, he did a fantastic job. Yeah, no, th- this wasn't his first time playing Chewbacca. He played Chewbacca in, uh, I want to say, uh, in The Force Awakens. And I want to say he did a couple pieces. Like It, it was mainly, um, um, oh my gosh, my brain. All right, you know what? I'm, I'm looking up right now. You're exactly right. He was also in uh, Last Jedi and, and, um, and The Force Awakens as a double. Uh, yeah. So, so apparently he portrayed, uh, he was kind of a backup, but this, I guess this is the first time that he was solely Chewbacca. Yes. Yes. So. The, the, the more physically intensive scenes, uh, in those two movies, uh, they, you know, uh, Peter Mayhew, he's just up there and he, you know, can't, uh, uh, can't really do those things. Right. Uh, and so they had him sub in for those kinds of things, but yes, this is his first time solo <laughs> as Chewbacca in a star Wars film. I, I thought he did a great job. Like this was this. All right. So, so, you know, we've kind of broken down the characters and everything. I, I loved this movie, man. I, there was a lot of moments that really made me smile. Like I had like a stupid, happy grin and a lot of them came from Chewbacca, you know, the, the chewy Han moment, some of their more quiet moments together, getting to know each other. Um, you know, get seeing, seeing Chewbacca rip the arms off of somebody. Um, <laughs> there was a scene on Kessel where like when, when Lando tosses Han the gun, I just had this big, stupid grin on my face because, like, they got that so right. Like, it's Han, it's Lando, Chewie's in the back loading up the the Falcon. Like, this is this is the stuff in which the EU was made off of. This was the stuff that we craved back in the day. Um, you know, whether or not we craved it as a movie or not doesn't matter. We craved like these this the concepts of these kind of stories, and to see it brought to life, man, really just it. I don't know, man. It just really geeked me out. I, I loved a lot of beats in this movie and I feel like they really did it right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the, the, so the things that I liked about this movie that I didn't like about rogue one was that you could take the story of this movie, uh, pull it out of the star Wars universe and it would work in any sort of, you know, generic sci-fi setting or hell even old West. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a, you know, train heist, yeah. you know, they got all those, all those kinds of like crime syndicates and things like that. Uh, it, it works outside of star Wars, which I think is what's, is important when you're making one of these star Wars films, because star Wars, the, the film needs to be more than just, Hey, remember star Wars? Remember this? Remember that? You know, it needs to be more than that. It's got to have something to be, you know, to, to build on that. Uh, and, and I feel like rogue one had a lot of that. And, and a lot of the, you know, Hey, remember star Wars things in this movie worked a whole lot better. Um, than than they did than than some of the stuff they did in rogue one. Yeah. You had, um, a lot of, you had a lot of issues with some of the stuff they did with rogue one. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I had some issues with this, mainly like hyperspace fuel, just as a concept in Star Wars. God, that's so nitpicky, but okay. It's well, yeah, it's not really nitpicky. I mean, it's just you've never, ever had anybody mentioning anything about running out of fuel until yes, The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. I was about to say, that was, a big, that was the big point of The Last Jedi. And, and so th- this movie, to me, feels like they just they, they threw in the hyperspace stuff in there, or the hyperspace fuel, to kind of like justify that. Eh, they need something to steal. Like, they're going to steal something. Would you rather it be Kyber Crystals again? No, I mean, there's there's plenty of things they could steal. All right, name one. Uh, I don't know, AT-ATs? That's too big. You can't steal AT-ATs. An they ATST. Gotta, they got to fit it on the Falcon. 
okay, well, I don't know. Maybe they're stealing uh, a, a hyperdrive. I mean, credits would have been fine if they had just stolen money. But no, I, I, the fuel the fuel worked. I thought the the you know the concept of the fact that it could explode at any at any point kind of added to the the necessity of them going so fast and going completely out of their way. Um, you know, it is interesting. You know, if if you're going to steal something from Castle, you'd think it'd be spice. So that was a little interesting that they were stealing fuel as opposed to spice from Castle. But regardless, that's perfectly fine in my opinion. Um, you know, they, they uh, you know, there there are a couple more characters we we need to mention. Uh, of course, L three L three three seven Leet. Uh, for those that yeah. missed that uh, that reference there, um, we we are now introduced to the um, the most peculiar dialect dialect that C three PO was talking to in Empire in the form of a really kind of terrifying uh, Black Mirror-esque fate of L3. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, I don't know how I feel about how she ended up. I don't know how I feel about L3 in general. Oh, you didn't like her? Well, it, it just it just felt kind of kind of strange and out of place to me. Um, because, you know, like like uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 are kind of like our eyes into the, the world of droids. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there is this sort of like fierce independence in R2. Uh, but he appears to be kind of the exception. Uh, and then then L3, like, I don't know anything about her. Like, I just know that it's Lando's droid. Uh, I had to learn later that she basically built herself. Right. Which yeah. I think and, and like, you know, who programmed her? Like, did she write like, you know, it, it, it would make a lot of sense to explain herself, uh, uh, explain her actions. If we had a little bit more insight into into, you know, how her how she came about, how she, you know, was created, I guess. Uh because like all the other droids are, are built by, you know, manufacturing companies and whatnot, uh, with the exception, I guess, of of C three PO and I'm sure various other droids are yeah, built by other IG-88, people. But and then I mean, most actually most of the droids that we've uh, come in contact with have have their kind of a unique origin story or have someone specifically, you know, a lore character who's involved in in their creation. R two D two notwithstanding, I don't I think R two D two is I- ironically the most standard in terms of, you know, <laughs> what his origin story is. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it, it is interesting because, you know, she, she comes in and she's like watching this battle bot situation, which was, you know, that was, it was a little uh, weird to have like battle bots going on. If, but I mean, like it was fine, whatever. Um, and I did actually like the fact they were leaning into this kind of anti-droid sentiment that exists within Star Wars. Um, that's actually a really interesting concept for, I don't know if the, it's a movie or a comic or a book, definitely not a TV series. Droids has come and gone and it's, um, it's probably best that it's gone, but you know, the, there, there's a lot of anti-droid sentiment that exists in this era in star Wars. You know, we don't serve their kind here. You're droids. Yeah. Because they don't drink anything. Why would you serve a droid at a bar? No, but they couldn't even walk into the, they couldn't even walk into the bar. They were being, but I, I, I kind of see this and I could be wrong here. But given the fact that the Clone Wars, like the droids were seen as the aggressors and the enemy, I'm wondering if because of the Clone Wars, droids are kind of, you know, even more so pushed into this, like, not just as subservient tools, but now subservient tools that there's kind of hatred for. I mean, think about Jabba's palace. He was literally torturing droids for no reason. You know what I mean? Like they were burning the feats of droids. We heard them scream out of pain. Like this is <laughs> droids have it really bad in this day and age in Star Wars. And so, you know, I do feel like with L3, I understand some of the criticism, like they were just kind of laying it on a little too thick. And that doesn't give you the opportunity, Bell, to your credit, like what you're saying. They don't really expand upon where that mindset is coming from. It's just kind of jammed in there. Um, yeah. And, and the fact that this happens before the original trilogy, uh, 
it, it's odd that we don't see any any repercussions of that or or any sort of like uh other droids doing the same kind of thing because oh, like yeah, you know yeah, a little droid rebellion yeah like like r2 wasn't focused on on freedom he was focused on his mission oh yeah r2 uh, is not not connected to that this is the way i see it is like you know after the like kessel is not like a free planet after this incident like somebody you know uh what was it the pikes are going to come down they're going to get kessel under control they're going to reprogram the door droids and everything's going to go back to normal l3 everything l3 did is you know they they got him off the planet and it was a good distraction but it, it was a doomed. It was a plan doomed to fail. Uh, any kind of droid rebellion is going to get shut down immediately. You know, unless it's Westworld. That's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. But the thing that I found very Black Mirror-ish is they give us like the one thing we know about this droid is that she is obsessed with freedom, and then her fate is that they lock her mind inside the Falcon. Like she's now trapped out of body in some sort of Black Mirror-ish, uh, you know, existence, which is kind of funny in the sense that it does kind of give some context for C-3PO arguing with, you know, her in the future, or at least parts of her inside the Falcon. Um, but at the same time, it just, it seems kind of tragic, sad, and weird. If I'm being honest, that that's where she ends up. Yeah. You know, you, you figure you just let her die, but she's got the best nav computer. So we're not going to like, you know, not utilize that. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in early concepts for who she was at one point, she was going to be like built into the millennium Falcon. Um, so, I mean, I think they, they always wanted to have some sort of personification of the Falcon built into the story. Um, but like I said, I, I just, it's, it's a weird, kind of a weird twist, but I don't know. Didn't kill the movie for me at all. And, uh, and totally fine. I do get the idea of a rebellious spirit being even inside the, the Falcon itself. Uh, Paul Bittany as uh, Dryden Voss, where did he come from? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I like Paul. I, I like uh, like what he did here. I thought he was really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's he did he does you know really good ominous sort of bad guy in this one. Um, he does good ominous bad guy in general. Yeah, yeah. If you need uh, it, or or bad guy. or you know a droid, an android, <laughs> he does good <laughs> with those too. <laughs> I did really well. I liked um, you know the whole touches too with his facial tattoos or or whatever they were. scars. Yeah, this, but they were like turning even more red whenever he was angry. Uh, along mm. with his eyes, so he's almost kind of pseudo hulking out to an extent. Um, yeah, and you know, he's one of these, these these villains where, you know, he's he's hanging out. He's asking you, "Good, you hungry? Let's get some food. Let's drink. Let's have a good time." Okay, where's my money? Oh, you don't have it. Oh, I'm gonna kill you now. Like you know, he's like very charming, but also able to fly off the handle and then also return back to base very quickly, which made him, I thought, a very intimidating and very real threat in the movie. Yeah, you know, it's it's almost like uh I'm not going to say cliched, but kind of cliched. And like you have those like uh sort of the, the kind of a mobster. Uh, yeah, like that sadistic kind of like, you know, hey, yeah, come on, sit down, have have some dinner. Uh, you know, by the way, here's your girlfriend, uh and this is her head, and that's you know, that's what happens when you mess up a job kind of thing. Yeah. And uh well, like you yeah, said, like, they're, they're messing with the classics, right? You know, the train robbery, the mobster, the criminal underworld. Oh, sure. The, you know, slave trade, drug trade. Like they got they got it all kind of mixed in in here. Um, which again, this is an area of Star Wars we've never really explored before. And I I like that we're kind of exploring it. I know that this was kind of some elements that they were at one point hoping for the Star Wars TV show. And, you know, with the new Star Wars TV show with uh, John Favreau at the helm, who knows? Maybe we might see more of these criminal elements explored in the future. I, I definitely hope that's the case. Uh, by the way, be sure to check out Star Wars TV Talk as a great podcast that will be keeping you up to date with that. 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I dug it, man. I, I really dug this movie. Uh, now, of course, we did get a big surprise at the end. Who did you think they were working for when they mentioned they were working for somebody? Um, I, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't recall going in there thinking anything about it because I, I, there wasn't really enough given for me to really postulate and think about who it was. They just offhand mentioned they're working for somebody else that they're scared of. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, it could have been Shizor, could have been Boba Fett again, although that wouldn't have really fit. Could have been Jabba. There's, there's a lot of ways they could take it. And it is interesting because after the reveal, if you go back and, and rewatch the film and look around, um, you know, uh, Voss's, like his office, his little lair, you mm-hmm. start seeing a lot of indications of who it actually is. And you start seeing a lot of clues that had you been looking, you could have seen, but they did a pretty good job of, you know, not letting you look for it because this was completely out of left field, especially if you haven't been watching the cartoons. In yeah, it was way out of left field. And that's what I, that's why I didn't like it at so, all. So that's the thing. So Maul ends up being it and you didn't like it. No, it's just so I, I've talked to people who, who, you know, haven't watched all the cartoons and, and you know, casual Star Wars fans and whatnot. And uh, and, and, and it, all it did was just throw them for a loop because they're like, wait, hold on. When does this take place? Because oh, I thought this no, was. Oh, this is so disappointing. I thought for sure you would be all for this because, like, the movie's expecting it's giving the audience credit to like figure it out without having to spoon feed it to them. But you, you're you're always criticizing movies for like thinking audiences are too stupid or like like uh, uh, you know, oh you know we can't have two flashes because audiences won't figure that out. Like you, you you're always making that argument that they don't err on the side of letting the audience kind of figure it out. This was a character that died in a movie 20 years ago. Well, he got cut in half. And he died in a movie 20 years ago. Well, he got cut in half. And like, all right, so let's say that you haven't seen the cartoon. you Because you haven't, right? I haven't. Okay. And so you were able to figure this out, right? At the very least, you saw mechanical legs. I, I knew that he came back. Like I, I knew in EU stories, he comes back with mechanical legs. The only the only reason why I knew uh, uh, that he had mechanical legs in the movie was because I knew to look for them. Uh, you know, one of my friends like didn't know to look for mechanical legs. He just saw Darth Maul and was oh, like, yeah, yeah. "Why? Why is Darth Maul back? How did he? How did he survive?" Like, it, ju- it just seemed like a, like a way out of left. Like Prince Shizor, that would have been awesome because that would have been. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it still seems like it'd be one of those things where, like, you know, only the diehard Star Wars fans would know who he is, and everybody else be scratching their head like, "Who cares?" Similarly, is si- similarly si- similarly. <laughs> Similarly to uh, when the Thanos reveal in the Avengers, right, 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 right. I, I, all right, so I will give you that. So you know, at first when I first saw it, I was blown away that it was Maul. I was like, I was like, holy! I cannot believe they're doing this because this is validating the cartoons. This is validating the television series, which is not something you traditionally see. A lot of times, you see the the TV having to adapt to whatever happens in the movies. This is the first time it feels like that we've ever seen the movies adapting to what has come in the TV and the canon that has become the TV. So part of me really loved that. I, I was like, man, I props for doing something that's bold like that, that actually requires you to actually watch the TV. Um, you know, we talk, you know, we've talked before about, you know, my frustration with agents of shield is that they are constantly having to, they'll never be like, you know, top tier because they just have to adapt to whatever's in the movies. And sometimes they get it wrong. The movies don't, don't have to care about what's going on. Agents sealed. Well, that's not the case in star Wars right now, but here's the problem. I feel like showing mall in this capacity is writing a check. They can never cash because yes. if him showing up 
if the idea is him showing up is kind of this validation of what comes in the cartoons, then the cartoons have already actually told his story. Like they have fully closed it out and it's really brilliant. Like the, his final confrontation with Obi-Wan uh, in, in uh, rebels in particular is a great scene. And one of the most uh, uniquely powerful lightsaber battles uh, because of how not over the top it is. You, you kind of have to see it to know what I'm talking about. Well, no, the, the beauty part about that whole scene is that the same move that Darth Maul used yes. to kill Qui-Gon. That's right. Yep. Obi-Wan counters and, and kills him with it. Exactly. And it's like a one, two dead. Like, and it's uh, you know, very samurai, uh, very much, you know, like you say, a, a nod directly to uh, Phantom Menace. Uh, and also even just the stance that Obi-Wan takes in that moment of switching from his, traditional Clone Wars battle stance to what we would later see him in, in A New Hope is just really good. There's so much going on in that one sequence. It's it's great. It's powerful. It's a perfect close to that dynamic, that relationship of Obi-Wan and Maul, but it's already happened. That story's already been told. And so yeah. you can't really tell that story with Maul unless you throw out the canon or, or the stories that were established in Rebels, which kind of negates the cool factor of, you know, giving the one up to the TV. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it creates this conundrum that just can't, can't exist. Right. That, that's why, that's why I'm saying Maul was just a bad choice overall in general. I, it, I, it, I agree with that. I, I like at first I loved it, but you're right. Shizor would have actually been that Thanos. I love that comparison, Bell. That's so spot on. He would have been yeah. like a Thanos type reveal. Had they gone that route, route. You, you wouldn't have people scratching their heads going, wait, I thought this guy died in the Phantom Menace 20 years ago. I don't really care and, about that part, though, because like people who think that like they need to go watch Clone Wars and Rebels because that those those series are phenomenal. I, these, these are these are Star Wars stories. They're standalone stories, are they not? Yeah, yeah. Then you shouldn't have to watch 40 hours of television well, to understand. To I'm just saying. If you want, <laughs> right. That. But 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 for that mall reveal, for that mall reveal to work on any level whatsoever, you have to know all the stuff about mall. Uh, I, I don't I don't think that's necessarily true because I've talked to other people who they don't know how he's back, but they thought it was cool that he came back. And so, like, you know, their, their brains just kind of did the math for them. At the very least, they were like, OK, somehow he survived. I want to know how. And I'm like, oh, really? You want to know how? Awesome. I'll tell you how. Like, go watch, watch 40 hours of, of the show. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's and it's excellent. So now I, I yeah. again, it's just they wrote a check that can't really cash because, yeah, that, that that Obi-Wan scene is perfect. And like that, that ends that storyline great. And it's awesome. And, you know, if, if 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 they do anything differently from that, like if they have this like long drawn out lightsaber battle in the Obi-Wan movie that's going to happen, that's probably going to tie into this or whatever. Mm. Uh, it's just going to cheapen. It's 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 not going to feel right. It's going to feel bad. And uh, I, I like that. I've watched that scene 15 times. Yeah. Just like I hadn't even seen any any other piece of Rebels, but I've watched that scene like 15 times. Well, and see, that's part of the problem, too. I haven't really watched a lot of Rebels because of the way that Disney had it on their streaming service and I wasn't going to play pay for it. And. You know, there wasn't really ways to necessarily watch it. So I don't know those characters. I, I loved Clone Wars. I've watched that completely. I've seen parts of Rebels, uh, especially as it relates to Darth Maul. But that's about it. Um, and so I would not be fully opposed to them doing away with that continuity uh, because it is so, you know, it doesn't quite have the reach as everything else. And, you know, here, here's the thing, because you're right, that scene is perfect. However, if they did want to utilize Maul for a Kenobi story, you're going to hate this idea, but I think it's so freaking cool. They could theoretically tell a story in which Darth Vader has to team up with Obi-Wan to go take out Maul. 
Like, <laughs> no, that is terrible. Be, I know you're gonna hate that idea, but like, that's the thing. I get it. I get it. you're gonna hate that idea. I think oh, that there is could so actually bad. be a lot of fun that could happen in that uh, with those two dynamics of like the you know, former master and apprentice. They're on opposite sides, but they have like this one common enemy. And so now, like, we see these two uh, people. Like, because all we had before, you know, all, all we've had so far is just that one exchange and and the Death Star, and that's you know, it's great. I'm not saying that this has to exist in order to you know, make something better that wasn't there. But I think there's a lot of fun that can be played with in that dynamic. I, I don't know. I, I feel like their meeting on the Death Star indicates to me that they have not seen each other I knew since you were gonna Mustafar. Say that, but that's not necessarily the case. But it makes it way more powerful that the, the, it, if you do anything other than that, it cheapens it cheapens their meeting. And, I knew and, you were uh, going to say that too. But it I, does. It does. <laughs> and I think that a lot of people would agree with you. But at the same time, I, I still, you know, I think there's there, that's there's a cool story that could be told there. Who knows? Maybe in a comic. I just I, like, I don't think Darth Vader would need to team up with anybody, especially not to kill Darth Maul. I mean, come on. Uh, but even even just a Maul versus Vader sequence would be a freak. I, I would I would love that. I would love. Does, to see does he get was. cut in half again and then like get more robot legs? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he cuts off his horns and he gets robot horns. That's what it is. Oh, okay, okay. And they all so so hold on here. So I, I have a question. Uh, so Darth Maul cut in half, thrown down shaft. Okay. Uh, Emperor Palpatine electrocuted, thrown down shaft. Is Emperor Palpatine still alive? Does he have robot well ne- legs? Uh, the Death Star exploded. Naboo did not. Uh, yeah, but still, uh, he could survive because Force. Because the Force. I and and there are in the EU, the original EU, he did kind of. Well, that's clones, but you know whatever. Well, but wasn't the idea like his Force spirit like transferred to one of his clones? Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's been a long time. See, like the, the the Star Wars EU is like you know a blessing and a curse. There's some really <laughs> cool stuff. There, there's some really cool stuff like you know Shadows of the Empire, and then there's some really bad stuff like Splinter of the Mind's Eye. And uh, <laughs> okay, Splinter like, of the Mind's Eye is not terrible. It except if 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 nothing it, else the only existed. Reason- <laughs> yeah that, that was before terrible. that was even before empire came out and exactly. so yeah of course it's going to be weird um, a writer that didn't know that luke and leia were related but yeah so. uh <laughs> and but yeah you know you had grand admiral thrawn awesome character oh my gosh yeah and he was, uh, he's a great character that they resurrected into the new continuity i actually just got done reading the uh the thrawn novel um oh yeah yeah like i just finished it two days ago and uh, it's really, it's really solid. They kind of set up Thrawn as kind of a imperial Sherlock Holmes esque type of character who's very calculative. And you see, you know, they kind of go into his mind and, and kind of the way he's thinking. They're tying him to what's going on and uh, in the the outer 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 rim, the space beyond. I, I forget what it's called, but um, basically, where wherever Snoke is, uh, the unknown regions. That's what it is. They they kind of tie him into you know his people being from the unknown regions, which is where eventually I the chips were from. Just regular planet. Well, it's a regular planet, but it's a regular planet outside of known space. So it's like uncharted space. The oh, idea okay. is that when he comes in, not only is it weird that he is, you know, a non-human that rises up in the empire, he is an alien in the in the you know most extreme sense because he's not an alien that's necessarily known to most worlds within established space. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. And so it kind of it puts him in that kind of fish out of water. Uh, place but also with kind of this extreme you know uh, mindset dominance I, I i thought he was really good i'm looking forward to the sequel which is going to be more of a thrawn vader um i guess tag team type of book anyway i i think uh yeah 
I, I, it's it's an exciting time with the way that a lot of these characters are being reimagined. Some people don't like it. Um, I think it's kind of cool, but I do think with the introduction of Maul and Solo, it really does kind of put them back them in a corner where this perfect continuity they're trying to set up is about to like kind of break a little bit. It's either going to have to bend hard or or break, and I don't know where it's going to go. Now, no, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, talking about like where it's going to go, that was a big question for me because you know at the end of the film we see Chewie and Han and the Millennium Falcon talking about Jabba's job. Yeah, a a job for Jabba, but yeah, he's and he said they're specifically they're putting together a crew. So I mean, so I, I don't know. Like I, I was sitting there thinking, like this isn't the job that he bails, uh, drops his cargo, and then gets a bounty on his head, is it? Because that would mean that like pretty much Han Solo's entire legend is just this one, uh, th- this this one movie, which I think is kind of ridiculous. Wait, what do you mean his entire legend? He wasn't really legendary up until before New Hope. Uh, but like you know, he 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 was a smuggler. He was a renowned smuggler, right? You know, he had the, you never heard right. of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, but that was Han saying that. That's like yeah, that's true. That's not if you if you thought <laughs> that he was being honest in that scene. I don't think you got Han Solo. <laughs> like actually, I but love, you know, I, I love the whole like you know, oh, just did it in less than twelve parsecs. And Chewie like corrects. He was like, well, if you round down, like that made me so happy because that's freaking Han Solo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course he's yeah. lying. That was brilliant. Um. But yeah, I, I, it just seems like, you know, they're, they're sort of like backing themselves up, at least for if they want to do sequels to this film, yes. uh, they're, they're backing themselves up against a wall because like if he's going to go to Jabba, I mean, unless maybe he did a couple jobs for Jabba and then, you know, he screwed up the big one. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But but it seems like there there's a there's a wall they're quickly approaching there when they're talking about Jabba the Hutt and Han Solo. Yeah, and I mean it's very possible that that could be the job. It could be you know that that leads to another job. I, however, they want to take it, they could. I mean, I think if they did make a sequel and that was the situation, I, I don't have any problem with that. Like I said, I I don't put any additional weight on Han Solo beyond who he was, um, and. That's why I felt like the story was actually really good. And it was a really good, for me anyway, good origin story for Han Solo. Even the name thing with the Solo, uh, which I saw a lot of people didn't like that. I kind of did. I thought, oh, that makes sense. I love the fact that his biological father like worked on ships like the Millennium Falcon. I was like, that's kind of cool. And that gives kind of some explanation as to why you know, he's able to rip it up and start making his special modifications and and has kind of a you know, it gives an additional layer of intimacy between him and his ship that I, I really dug. And so there's a lot that they could play with in the future if they wanted to. And just, oh, I'm sorry, but the dynamic between Lando and Han was fantastic. Yeah, they were really good. That. They they had they had really good chemistry. Oh, together, I, I want a sequel to this movie so bad, but I just, I don't think it's going to happen because it didn't do well. So, okay. It didn't do well because they refilmed like 90% of the movie, uh, changed the directors. They, they, spent so much money on marketing and stuff like that. It made what, like uh 343 million worldwide. Yeah, but you know how these things go, especially the, the, the lesson that everyone is saying is that star Wars putting slapping star Wars on something does not mean that you're, you know, building this colossal, you know, threat. It's not going to be this end all be all star Wars film. Um, and, you know, so there was a report that came out earlier today, although it is unconfirmed by Lucasfilm, but it does seem like it's coming from, uh, you know, knowledgeable sources that is saying that the standalone films that Lucasfilm had in development are now currently on pause, uh, potentially indefinitely. Now, a lot of people are saying this is a fairly knee jerk reaction to some of the pushback from Solo. 
Um, you know, I think that there is a little bit of an autopsy going on right now as to why it wasn't as successful as it should have been. Cause you're right, Bill, it's not a, it's not a full on flop, but it's not the success that a lot of people, especially at Disney thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and, and again, had they not done all the reshoots and all that kind of stuff and, and, uh, uh, spent so much money, wasted so much money marketing it in such weird ways, like, like, com- like what, what they call it in, uh, in China, it was like ranger solo or something <laughs> did they really they, they, they stripped they stripped all <laughs> star wars out of it for china and they just said ranger solo interesting well, yeah it, it's just bizarre and denny's like who, who goes to denny's i don't know the the, the marketing was like bad in I the mean, commercials I, and like the clips they showed and even the logo seemed weird the name solo i thought it has a bad choice if i'm being like i, I just don't like that name they should have kept I don't. I don't even know what they should have called it, like Star Wars Underworld or Star Wars Kessel Run or something. But not. I don't think that Solo. Should maybe be. Han Solo. I don't know. No, because I really. It, it's an on. It, it's an ensemble movie. It, it should yeah. be an ensemble movie. And you know, again, the big moments for me were the interconnectedness of all these characters: the Chewie Han, the Han uh, Lando, like the 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 Lando the the freaking uh, card game, which I thought when they sat down to the table, like. I had this huge, stupid grin on my face, but was super nervous that this was about to be really boring, but it ended up being a great scene, like a really great sequence. And they also kind of flipped the script because you think for sure that he's going to walk away with it. And of course he doesn't up until the end of the movie. And so I, I just, I don't know. I, there's a lot they did right in this movie. There is a lot they did right. But the marketing so, was not. <laughs> I, I had this question though about like, you know, when they have their first game and Han loses, yeah. uh, when they're, they're going into the shipyard and L3 cuts open the gate and then they have to use Solo uh, and, and Chewbacca to, like, pull off a landing clamp. D- did you get the idea that, that maybe Lando, like, stole it just at oh. that point? <laughs> like, like no. he had just. <laughs> yeah, that is hilarious. No, I didn't, I didn't think that he just stole it right then because all his capes were inside. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, his, his capes and his mini bar. No, that was, uh, it was, it was definitely, I guess they're just impounding pounded. it or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was doing this Cal- Calrissian Chronicles. That, that's, that should be what the movie is. The Calrissian Chronicles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. But yeah. So we'll see what ends up happening. Um, overall for you, Bell, where, where do you think, uh, out of five? Uh, I'm gonna say you know a three. Okay, that's that's about where I thought you'd put it. Um, uh, for me it was it was a four. I really really enjoyed it. Um, I really I really enjoyed it. There there, were, I, I I guess the only thing that would really put it more towards a five is if I knew where this was going. Like if if it felt like this was, nowhere. Well, so <laughs> if it felt like this was kind of the beginning of this like underworld trilogy, or or there was kind of this idea of. Um, you know, this interconnectedness, the showing up of Darth Maul. I, I feel so torn about that uh, for all the reasons I've said before. I loved it at first. And the more I've thought about it, I actually don't love it because it creates problems. If it had been, you know what, maybe if it had been Shizor, that would have actually pushed it to a five for me. But yeah, the, the uncertainty of the future and not necessarily in a fun way is what keeps it to a four for me. But overall, really enjoyed it. Great standalone film, in my opinion. Uh, a lot of fun, and I had a big goofy smile pretty much the entire time throughout a lot of different beats uh, throughout the movie. So yeah, that it, yeah yeah yeah, it, it was fun. It was a popcorn movie, uh, and and this the Star Wars like you know set dressing worked with it. You know it's it's it, it's a story that works first and foremost. You stick it in the Star Wars universe, and you know it, it it's just fun. Like you know it's these characters we get to see uh, and we get to hang out with, and uh, you know the actors did a good job. Uh, 
And yeah, it was it was it was fun. Yeah. Look, Star Wars. I, I'll just say it. Star Wars needs a Kevin Feige right now. Like they they don't have. Oh, one. that's one point that I wanted to make. Like, yeah, uh, uh, I, I feel like Star Wars has figured out their formula. Uh, for for these for these story movies, huh? Okay. Uh, because this felt very much like a Marvel film to me. It felt very much like a run of the mill Marvel film. Like they, they you know, it, it's it's uh, it serves its purpose. It's fun. yeah, like it's 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 not like it's not like blow you out of the water good. It's not like horribly throw up in the theater bad. <clears throat> it's just you know, it's just a fun actiony popcorn movie. Uh, and and they they figured out how to make those now. Like I I didn't get that at all with Rogue One, and um. Uh, and it's and it's kind of weird because because Rogue One was a little bit more kind of darker, thoughtful piece. Is that what you mean? Or I I don't think it was. I mean, no, not necessarily that it was darker. That it was thoughtful. It's just like they didn't they didn't start with a story that. Oh, dude, Han that Solo worked. was an infantry trooper. I'm sorry, that that just that I loved that. That was another big goofy scene that him him fighting for the Empire and everything else. I just I loved that. Anyway, sorry, keep keep going. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that that. So we always see stormtroopers as like the elites, and now we finally get to see like the non elite soldiers, yeah. which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah, actually, so the second time I saw it was Father's Day. I took my dad to see it, and he actually asked, "He's like, where are the stormtroopers?" I was like, "No, see, like these guys are like below the stormtroopers." Yeah, these. Are the just line infantry that you know you send millions of them at a planet until the planet just yeah, dies. That's where the pawns <laughs> go first. Yeah. Um, so what was I saying? I was saying something about oh yeah, yeah. So so Rogue One, I I feel just didn't didn't feel the same way for me because the 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 underlying story before you put all the Star Wars set dressing on it, uh just just didn't work outside of that Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. And um it, it just it just it, it really felt like uh yeah yeah I, I don't know it just it didn't work for me that way this this story is a story you could tell in any setting and and that's what i think these sto- these star wars story films need to be they need to be a, a, a you know universal stories in a star wars setting because that's you know that's just it's it's gonna print money that way <laughs> that, that's really good bell because i so i i liked uh rogue one a star wars story because it, it was a good for me it was a really good fit in universe but you're right through the lens of would this work if it was not a Star Wars story? I don't think Rogue One would, but like you say, Solo would. In fact, uh, arguably, perhaps Solo would have actually worked better if it was not a Star Wars story. Um, yeah, because of the you know the sacredness that a lot of fans put on on especially kind of this era of of story. Um, but yeah, no, that's good, man. I I, I do you know a, a lot of people are upset uh, with Kathleen Kennedy because they think that she's like acting in a Kevin Feige-esque role, but she's not. That's not ever been what uh, her job is. And so, you know, she she has been a powerhouse movie producer that has produced some big, big successes and uh, and a couple flops along the way, one way or the other. She's just not intended to be a Kevin Feige. But I think Disney needs one. I think that if Star Wars is going to do this kind of thing and explore with a lot of these different style of stories, uh, they need to have some sort of connectedness that works. Uh, that gets yeah. you excited about what's going on. Otherwise, there's no point in having a quote shared universe uh, without yeah. a, a hand driving it. We saw this failure before with DC. Yes, I will say that. As, even though this is coming out on the Flash TV talk feed, <laughs> I will risk it by saying that. Yes, like part of the problem with the DC uh, cinematic universe is the lack of, you know, that that consistent narrative, um, or at least a, a good. Uh, guiding soul narrative that is also allowed for the freedom of, of exploring different styles of movie telling, but yet staying true to wherever we're going. 
Oh. Yeah, like like you know, for example, right? You know, it, pretty much every Marvel film has an underlying archetype of film, right? Like Ant Man was a heist movie, uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier was uh, like a spy thriller, uh, you know, so on and so forth. They they all have these like archetypes that they build off of, and then so you know, you you have a story that you build, and then you put the Marvel dressing on it, or you put the the uh, the Star Wars dressing on it. Uh, you don't you don't try to like serve somebody a bowl of Star Wars dressing. <laughs> and 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 get them to enjoy it, right? You know, get your veggies in there, man. You gotta, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, you gotta you gotta get ham cubes. You gotta get some egg. You gotta get some like you know three different types of lettuce. That's right. You know, some cheese. That uh, um, get that spinach. You like the leafy spinach? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just some like stuff. baby spinach. Oh yeah. I get some cranberries. I like cranberries in my my salad. Little little walnuts. Yeah, yeah. Or some pecans, like crushed pecans. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's a good salad. Goat cheese. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man. All right, I'm getting hungry. Well, hey, that's going to be for us uh, for this week. Um, yeah, look, we are uh, we're getting we're getting caught up. We got solo for you uh, this week. We got uh, man, we got we got so many movies to get both get caught up for and get excited for. We got Deadpool coming at you next week. We have got uh, Ant Man and the Wasp in a couple of weeks. Yes, I am making Belle do Jurassic World: The Fallen <laughs> Kingdom uh, because that movie's going to be so bad. Uh, well, then then you will love to uh, to hate on it. I, look, I'm going into that one with also fairly low expectations as well. For, because of the poor marketing campaign and uh but one way or the other we're, we're gonna do it we're gonna have a lot of fun along the way regardless of uh whether or not we enjoy the movie we'll have we'll have some fun reviewing it and we hope you have fun as well be sure to uh, check out the facebook page facebook.com slash panel to screen uh, also on twitter at panel to screen uh you can also keep up with us individually i'm at the real bow york bell is at ring that bell i spell my name b-e-a-u he spells his name b-e-a-l-l we make it complicated because that's the way our parents made us also want to give out this uh, kind of a heads up. I've been playing a ton of this game, Sea of Thieves. If you were playing that game and you want to uh, crew up, please let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, love to add you on to our regular crew. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And also I've been doing some streaming along with that at twitch.tv slash Captain Jorvik. So are you playing Xbox or PC or what? I'm doing Xbox, but the nice thing about that game is you can play it on both Xbox and PC. So at home, I play Xbox and whenever I'm traveling, I play on the on the PC. Nice. Well, I, I actually ordered myself a little a little gaming PC. Yes, I know. I didn't build one. I used to do it all the time. You did. You and I'm did. tired of it. He got the cred, y'all. He got the cred. Yeah, I, I got that geek cred, but I wanted somebody to do it for me because <laughs> well, I don't have enough time. If you end up getting uh, an Xbox Game Pass or something like that, try, try out Sea of Thieves and I, I'd love to play with you, Bella. It's a lot of fun. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. All right. All right. Sounds good. Well, no, oh, and one last final plug, uh, oh, Wakanda podcast, or Once Upon a Time in Wakanda, uh, the Black Panther podcast. Season two is now live. So if you want some uh, a dive into Wakanda and the world of Black Panther, check that out. Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. I'm one of the three co-hosts on that show. would love to have you there. All right, that's going to do it for us for this week. So for me, for Bell, for Bell's mom. Hi, Mom. May the force be with you. See your princess, everything's alright, oh